Welcome, Hawk fans. Welcome to another episode of Hawk Talk. I am your host, Colin Cole. And of course, we have another great episode here for you. But first, let me go ahead and throw them out there. The, the resident guest host, the accolades that I always recite of being a three-year starter and a two-time all-conference offensive tackle, um, Mr. Porter. Mr. Porter, welcome to the show, David. Always great to be here, man. This is uh, this this is good. I'm, I'm I love this time of year. This is good. Yes, the pumpkin time, spice. The time of pumpkin spice. The time of year, like you mentioned, it is um changing. It's getting cooler for sure. The seasons are changing, and um, we are in November. November is the time of the season that makes every college team see right because. You may have not done particularly well throughout early months of September and October, but if you win in November, oftentimes postseason play is an opportunity for you. So going into this game, the Hawks are facing, of course, the Wisconsin Badgers. We know that the Badgers are obviously one of the stronger teams uh, left on the roster, left, left on the schedule for the Hawkeyes. Uh, they're led by uh, what is he? He's got to be a senior, senior quarterback, Graham Mertz. Uh, he's done a tremendous job throughout his career as uh, as the quarterback. Yeah, he's a senior, redshirt senior. Done a tremendous job as a leader of this Wisconsin Badger team throughout his tenureship. This year, he has uh, 1,700 yards passing on 124 completions over 206 attempts. He has uh, 17 touchdowns and six interceptions. He's been sacked 18 times for negative 105 yards, but uh, he is a, a mobile quarterback. Um, Iowa fans are are familiar with this guy. He's he's led this team to some wins versus Iowa, but um, you know this year they're a little bit different. They are off to a five and four record, and so, but. They are a bit of a different beast right now, David. After uh, after having firing uh, Paul Christ as head coach and taking on Jim Leonard as the interim head coach, he's really looking to he's really looking to cement his name as the head guy. Uh, and uh, they've rattled off three out of the last four, and um, they are they are surging right now, and they're five and four. So um, they have a strong, strong running attack with uh, Braylon Allen. Uh, who's who's carried the ball 172 times for 989 yards. He's got a long this year of 96 yards, 96 yards. I said that correctly both times. He's, he, he, he has a long carry of 96 yards this season uh, and 10 touchdowns. Braylon Allen is elusive, um, and he definitely, once he gets to your secondary, has done some damage. His backup, Isaac Garendo, He's carried the ball. He's no slacker. Carried the ball only 42 times for 280 yards. So Braylon Allen gets the bulk of the carries. But uh, when Isaac Garendo comes in, he's done a tremendous job. He actually has, like I said, 42 for 280 yards. So a fraction of the carries or a fraction of the yards. But he has a long of 89 yards. So your starter has a long of 96. And then you got your backup who has a long of 89 and adds another five touchdowns to that mix. I and then they have another guy by the name of Chesma Lucy who comes in and he's got another 223 yards, has more carries than Isaac Garendo at 56. They got a stable of backs. They got a stable of backs. And 
The reason being, David, we, we talk about this often. We talk about this, particularly the guys up front, because we know what really pushes and what drives offenses, what drives your football team is the guys up front. Um, they're led by, I had to go through it and see, because they got one of the bigger offensive lines in the Big Ten, if not the country. Um, <laughs> at left tackle, they have Jack Nelson. Jack Nelson is only a, a six seven uh, redshirt sophomore. Uh mm. Right beside him is Tyler Beach. He's a redshirt senior. He's only about 6'6". And then uh, next to him at center is Joe Tipman. He's a redshirt junior. He's 6'6". Next to him, mm -hmm. Tanner Bortolini. Let me say that right. Tanner Bortolini. I don't want to give you know, no shade on his name. Tanner Bortolini. He is a redshirt sophomore, and he's the shortest of the bunch at 6'4". And then 6'8 uh, is Ryler Malman at, uh, at right tackle. So... Mm. They have um, some some tall, beastly-sized guys, and whoever they have put in the backfield behind them has had success running the ball. Um, and we'll get into the receivers. Um, Shamir Dyke has been has been the go-to guy, but Skylar Bell has been a tremendous target as well. Uh, both have, have been targeted well over 20 times, with Shamir getting – uh, 35 catches for 555 yards and Skylar Bell 22 catches 367 yards six and four touchdowns um, between the two uh, Keontes Lewis has added to the bunch nine for 149 yards and two touchdowns and Clay Cundiff is the tight end nine catches 142 yards and two touchdowns but um, going back to that offensive line going back to the fact that this um this Wisconsin rushing attack, include when you add in the sacks and some of the negative yardage that's come in with the quarterbacks, they're already over 1,600, 1,650 yards rushing total on the season. So they have they have gone far and beyond, and they've, they've done a tremendous job running the ball. Uh, what do you what, tell me about what your thoughts are, what you've seen from them on film, and uh, what this offense is is uh, capable of against this Hawkeye defense? Well. Like you said, they're surging right now, right? Uh, Jim Leonard, uh, he's going to—he's he, really vying to have that interim head coach, that interim tag, removed from uh, his title. He wants to be the head coach and be there for the future. That's the way he has these kids playing. And from what I've been reading, that's what they see as uh, you know the natural step going forward. I mean, you have some leaders on that defense that are really saying, "Hey, uh, this guy is obviously the the right." right guy for us and that's the guy we want so when you have the team coming behind you especially the kids uh in there uh doing that uh it's a big deal i think that's going to weigh heavily with the uh, the administration when they sit down and actually start making their choices but obviously they knew the the path that they were going with paul chris was not a path that they wanted to continue down so they made that decision uh it looks to be the right one like you said they are what three and one since uh jim took over and uh, these guys are just surging. And this is traditional Wisconsin football that we're looking at right now. Uh, back when Barry Alvarez was running the whole thing, uh, I watched Kirk's uh, press conference, and he was talking about us back in 99 when uh, Ron Dane uh, broke the rushing title and they won the Big Ten title and all that good stuff. I mean, I was there at the game when they actually uh, when he broke the rushing title. I remember the guys, the gold guy streaking across the field and doing the Heisman pose. That wasn't fun, not at all. But uh, this is uh, seems like they are getting back to those days 
that uh, Kirk alluded to. And when I looked up, uh, went back and did a little research on Wisconsin, uh, they're uh, 39 and eight in November games since 2020. And heading into the this Saturday's a Saturday's action, the only Power Five teams with better winning percentages since 2010 are Ohio State, Georgia, Oklahoma, and Alabama. All right, so November is kind of their thing when the weather gets really uh, we'll call it uh, <laughs> Midwestern uh, winter ish or fallish. Uh, the weather turns to kind of cold, wet, and dark. They know what it is. You have to be able to run the ball. You have to be able to do that. That's where they have that big offensive line there. All right. We always say six, six, oh, six, seven, six, 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 four. They run the right guard. That's weird. I thought he was in center. And then you have, uh, what, six, seven or six, eight at right tackle? Yep. Six, eight at right tackle. Six, eight at right tackle. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and then you have the stable of running backs. Those guys are just out there just uh, crushing it. Uh, I saw Isaac's uh, his tiptoe run down the sideline for this. Was it eighty nine yard touchdown that he got? Uh, he uh, showed both power and balance and poise as he was running the ball. That was great. Um, it's really nice to see that. But the first thing that I noticed is that he got through the line without being touched, right? And then when he got into the second level, he made a guy miss. When he got to the third level, a guy kind of bounced off of him. They missed tackled him. But then he was off the races. He was gone. So this, this running attack, this rush attack that Wisconsin has, uh, they're really good. They're going to do a phenomenal job of running the ball. The biggest problem I see with them is our defense. All right? uh, our defense, I know we're, we're dropping in stats, but they're still pretty freaking good over there on that side. Uh, I'm not sure they have gone against an offensive line this big, but uh, they have gone against talented offensive lines this season, and that's going to be a big deal stopping the run against Wisconsin uh, because, as you said, they have a stable of running backs, and their old line is big. And the film that I saw, they are nasty too. And that's exactly what you want your offensive line to be uh, and look like, big and nasty. And these guys get after it. And if you show a weakness, they're going to expose it. And they're actually they're looking for it. So I, I like what I see with them. Uh, I don't like that we're playing them. But I do like that they're that good as an offensive lineman. Uh, I appreciate what they're doing out there. Um, like you said, whoever they put behind them, that O-line just keeps, you know, helping helping to go. And the funny thing about the running game, <laughs> it's not just the O-line. Like, for all these big runs that happen, that's a complete team effort. The receivers, the tight ends, everybody has to be blocking. They're going to be blocking downfield. And that's what I saw with, with Wisconsin when they were playing against Maryland, when they were playing against Purdue. Everybody was getting into it. And the long runs just came because the receivers are locking downfield. I mean, they they are definitely committed to the run. Yeah, man, you have to. You got to have those guys downfield making those plays because obviously you got that last line of defense between the corners and safeties that are trying to get that, uh, get that ball carrier down in order to – to be able to create those lanes, you got to be able to get those guys walled off. And that's what they did a tremendous job of in those games that you mentioned. So it's going to be a challenge like it's been every single week. This defense has a, a great opportunity to step up to the plate against uh, a surging team that's definitely 
almost mirror image to what they are uh, in, in terms of mentally and uh, physically, physicality. So it's going to be a tough game, no matter no matter how we look at it. Uh, the trenches will determine Saturday's outcome. Now, flipping over to Wisconsin's defense, they implore this three-four scheme. Jim Leonard, the the interim head coach, is the was the uh, former defensive coordinator, or actually, I say still defensive coordinator. So he's brought a lot of. I see a lot of. Um, um, what's my man's name? Um, I can't think of his name. Uh, Buddy Ryan's son. What's, what's his name? That played. That was the head coach in with the Jets for a while. Um, God, I know exactly who you're talking about. Jeez. Rex Ryan. Rex Ryan. Oh, Rex. Rex. So I'm, I'm, like, I'm looking at his face. I know his face. Get out of here. <laughs> so Jim Leonard, you know, had, had that time under Rex Ryan in with the Jets um, in in New New York. And I think that he has implored a lot of that NFL mentality to his defense. And they've been a very non-traditional 3-4 scheme and very nasty downhill type of uh, type of uh, linebacking core and secondary. And they have really reaped the benefits this year defensively. Um, and Joe Meta, that's a hard name to take on right there. Jung Meta. And, that's a, a young man leads the linebacking court with sixty total tackles, and then right behind him is John Torchio, who has five, who has forty four, but it's his five interceptions is uh, is is tops in the league. So um, they have a very um, heady defense and has very has been stout for years. And I mean, I can go up and down the, the list of names on this roster on this defensive roster, and you could I could argue that all of them are very much so um, road graders and guys that uh, really don't know how to get the job done. Um, so what does that, what kind of difficulty does that present to this Hawkeye offense in terms of a three, four scheme, non-traditional type of defense? How does, uh, how does that really affect the, the, the the offensive line, particularly what I've seen on film, is some of the uh, the twisting and stunts that they do, um, and on regular rundowns. So it's it's a kind of random in in terms of how they call their defenses. How what kind of um, what kind of difficulties and what kind of challenges does that present for this offensive line? Well, as you were saying, Wisconsin's defense being a three four, and especially with the way that they play. They have a lot of movement. There's some blitzes. Uh, even with rundowns, they're still blitzing into the run, uh, especially on the strong side. They still, as far as being uh, fundamentally sound, they do stay home. So their fundamentals are really good, especially on defense. Uh, I like what I saw. Uh, they got two uh, of their starters back, uh, Herbig and Wohler. So that was a big deal, especially against Maryland. Uh, that really helped them out a lot. Uh, they're still trying to figure that whole thing out. Um, for what it does for us, the offensive line for us really needs to be um, a little more be patient. That's the best way to put it. Um, so, it, and with the offensive line play, especially with our offensive line, uh, they need to get to a point where they hurry up so they're waiting, right? So you move fast so you can wait. Uh, so they're in position. Right now, what happens is they're reacting to things as opposed to anticipating where it's going to be and knowing what they need to do and being sound in their technique and doing what they need to do. Um, 
especially with a, a defense like this that twists the line. Uh, there's going to be a dual line of blitzes that has kind of this uh, uh, this weird setup as a 3-4, so you have this floating linebacker going in and out. Uh, you know, you got to account for him, which changes your blocking scheme quite a bit. Uh, it can be good. It can really be open up some things, run some gap plays. Uh, the back end zone, that'd be great. Um, you know, if we do some wide zones, uh, that that would be tremendous into like, getting these guys like more spread out than what they are and actually utilizing the natural gaps that are there. That's um, That would be great. Uh, the one thing, they do read the quarterback really well, right? Uh, with that extra defender back there, it's hard to throw the ball. It's easier to run it, but it's harder to throw the ball. That's typically how it works. And what I saw with these guys, they're pretty good with like uh, anticipating where the ball's going to go and being there and getting interception. Uh, they've done that a couple of times. So uh, they're pretty good. The three, four for us, I don't think it's anything different what we haven't seen before, but um, the kind of guys we're going against that defensive line that Wisconsin has, uh, they're big too. And they, they move, they move really, really well. And we need to be able to handle both their size and their movement. Uh, we'll call it their athleticism uh, that they possess because they are, you know, really talented individuals over there. That deep line is good. And they're used to going against bigger offensive linemen too. So that'll be a little bit of an adjustment for us, um, you know, handling those guys. Because again, I don't, I got to go back through their size, but from what I saw on film, they look massive. No, they're definitely massive. There's no question. I mean, I can we we can we can look it up real quick. I can find it real quick if you want me to. That's not a problem. I just had it up here a second ago. The uh, that D line, I so yeah, I saw him moving, I saw him twisting and doing spins. I'm like Jesus. Rodas Johnson. Let me see how he is. Six uh, two, so he's probably the shortest of the bunch at at uh, at uh, left defensive end. Keanu. Uh, Benton, he's six foot four, 315, 315 pounds at the nose tackle position. And then um, Isaiah Mullins, number 99, I, seen, I saw him on quite a few plays, 6'4", 303 pounds. So they're a bit stout across the front, um, all of them over 200 pounds. The backup's just about as stout. Gio Pez at uh, six foot three, 294 pounds. Uh, Donald, Chad Donald McDonald, uh, six foot six, 285 at uh, at defensive end and uh james thomas thompson jr he's uh another pretty stout guy six foot five 295 so these guys are definitely you know stout not not quite as big as their offensive line counterparts but uh definitely a stout bunch as well yeah it's just how it goes the d-line is typically smaller that's kind of how you want them to be um i mean they're uh, the way i always put it and the offensive linemen are kind of like tanks, right? Big, just moving, just really, you know, it's hard to move. And when they get moving, it's hard to stop them. Defensive linemen are a little different, you know, and they're not so much like tanks as much as they're like, um, best way to put it. I don't know what the other thing, more like fighter, yeah, more like fighter planes. Yeah. They move faster. They uh, have to hit that typically. Um, they're a little bit smaller. I think they're a little more athletic. Like, they have to be because of reaction time. But as far as, like, uh, you know, 
just size wise, defense line are usually smaller than the offensive line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um huh. what, you don't think so? Yeah, the little bit more athletic part, it kind of it's wow. Here we go. No, we a little bit more athletic. A little bit. A little bit. This is what I think. I'd say a little bit. Let's say a little bit more athletic. That's what I'm going with. Just a little. Yes. Just a little bit, because y'all smaller. Get out of here. Just because we're smaller, we're just a little bit more athletic. You think you're. Like you right. think is the no, athletic? No, 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 explain yourself on this one. I just want to understand. What you, what, what, yeah, please let me know. You, you I know you play D line. Okay, so, and, so like, okay. this is your thing. All right, Go ahead. Do you think? I'm gonna listen. Talk to bottom, talk to bottom. I think oh, height has nothing to do. I'm sorry, what was that? Mm. Okay, all right. Oh, so shoot, I'm, here we go. Okay, I'll continue when you're ready. When you're, mm-hmm. when you're finished, I'll continue. Mm-hmm. I'm ready, dude. Do your thing. Let's do this. All right, so, um, you mentioned before Ed Sadat, one of the tallest defensive linemen I know. There's another guy uh, by the name of Anthony Nelson that came through that program, also a very tall guy. So there are, like, as well as Matt Nelson, another tall guy. So they're Height-wise, I would say that, um, yeah, we're, we're range. But uh, for the most part, you know, athleticism is all across the board and, and very, very high. Uh, as far as offensive line, um, yeah, typically more height, more height. But athleticism, uh, unless perhaps they played on the defensive line at some point or moved from the tight end position to the, to the offensive line. But other than that... David, no. I'm sorry to say that offensive linemen are not the level caliber level athlete as defensive linemen. Oh wow, wow, wow! I mean, okay, now what to what degree? Is there this separation? I said it's a little bit. So now apparently you think it's a lot. It's a lot more than a little. I say this. I say this. Uh, You already admitted like defense linemen are a little more athletic. That's what I said. And you had an issue bit with a little bit. I'm like, okay, cool. So if it's a little bit, I'll say I'll say I'll say a bit more. Way more. I'll say a bit more. A bit more than what you're saying. I'll say a bit more. A bit more. When a guy like you said doesn't know where the guy across from him is going. That guy has a step ahead of him and has to react, has to move when that guy moves or a smidge before he moves and react mm-hmm. to what's in front of him. Oftentimes dealing with two people at once, trying to knock the, knock him off of his path and to still be able to create plays and create um, havoc in a backfield. Just a thing of beauty. But then when you talk about the way that this Wisconsin offensive line has been playing uh especially over those games that we watched definitely has allowed any back that has uh run the ball behind them uh to be successful so there's levels mm-hmm. to it there's levels to it and the athleticism mm-hmm. that those guys possess being able to get to the next level being able to wall off their their defenders is uh it's been successful for them and especially on this uh this this current streak that they're going on they are playing some very talented teams, especially Maryland last week, who has been a talented team all season uh, and really yeah. to them. So, and Maryland, I mean, to be honest, they weren't in that game. I, from what I watched, they were initially, you know, doing some things, but 
Wisconsin took it out of them and took it to them. And it starts with those guys up front and taking those body blows and, and magnifying it over the course of uh, <laughs> the game. So, you know. It was it was 17-0 at by the half. Wisconsin up 17-0 against Maryland. It, Dude. Wasn't, it wasn't much of a challenge. Hey, Maryland is still 6-3 and three right now. Mm-hmm. They're 6-3. and three. Yep. You forget, Maryland is not a bad team no, at no. all. Not at all, man. Yeah. Oh, not at all. They, no. they gave it to them, boys. Like you mentioned, they, they definitely did that. Now, I was looking over these stats I felt were kind of uh, interesting. Just looking at season stats comparison-wise, Graham Hurts has gone 124 for 206 yards for 1,707 yards, 124 for 206 completions for 1,707 yards. 17 touchdowns and six interceptions. Spencer Petrus's statistics, 127 for 228 for 1,401 yards and five touchdowns with five interceptions. Besides the touchdowns, their statistics aren't that different. Um, Spencer did a tremendous job last week. No turnovers, no interceptions, throwing two touchdowns. Where do you – what is your thoughts, final thoughts, and – prediction on the score for this week which uh which i'm gonna make sure i make mention to is a 2:30 central time kickoff in kinnick stadium at uh on duke slater field yeah the um wow this is a tough one because they are very well matched against each other like you said they're kind of like mirror images of each other uh iowa and wisconsin uh, where they are strong with running the ball, our defense is really strong with stopping the run, right? Um, and their defense, uh, they have a Wisconsin defense, has a really good defensive line. Um, they're not as good as our D-line, I even close. And their defense is nearly as good as our defense at Iowa. But they're going against our offense, which, you know, they're still trying to find their footing. So this is a really tough one. It's a 50-50, um, for real kind of a coin flip, whoever wakes up, uh, whichever team gets it together that can establish the run and eliminate penalties and turnovers, I think it's really going to be the the tail of the tape. And whichever offensive line takes control of the – or should I say whichever line takes over the control of the game. Could be on defense, could be on offense, could be Wisconsin's defense, could be Wisconsin's offensive line, or it could be Iowa's offensive line or Iowa's defensive line. I think whatever, whichever those two – um, or whichever those four takes over, um, it's really going to be the tell of the tape. I hope our offense gets started early. Um, that's what we're going to really need. Wisconsin is really good at starting fast. Uh, I think against Purdue, they put up 21 points in the first quarter alone, right? Uh, we didn't get our first score until the second quarter. Uh, we just don't want to get behind uh, in the numbers with these guys and get outpaced. Uh, for the entire game. So getting our offense started early is really going to be a big deal. Uh, put it down to one thing. And for me, it always boils down to offensive line play. Now, if we can get our offensive line together and we can sustain drives with the running back, uh, protect the quarterback, it'll give our defense time to be off the field. Um, if we uh, are all defensive line, like our defense does what they do normally. Uh, we We – this should be a W for Iowa. Um, as far as the final score, oof, that's a tough one. 
That's a really tough one. 21, no, 24 17 Iowa. I go 24 17 Iowa. Okay. Points per game um, this season Wisconsin 30.8, Iowa 17.2. Points allowed per game Wisconsin 20.6, Iowa 14.3. Uh, yards passing a game, Wisconsin 202.7, Iowa 159.2. Yards rushing a game, Wisconsin 183.3, Iowa 103.6. So, yards allowed. Passing yards, Wisconsin 212, Iowa 171.7. Rushing yards allowed, 113.8 by the Badgers, 92.8 by the Hawks. So, why are those statistics important? Statistics, there are always re- rhymes and reasons. There are always certain things that go against the statistic. But overall, it comes down to being able to score points and being able to stop a team. This year, the Hawks have proven themselves very strong in stopping teams. They uh, are allowing less yards per carry than, than Wisconsin is. They're, they're allowing less yards per reception than Wisconsin is. They're allowing less passing yards overall than Wisconsin is, and they're leading. They're, they're averaging over 20 yards less rushing yards um, by their opponents. And again, their opponents have been, over the last the course of the last five games, have been Michigan, October 1, Illinois, October 8th, Ohio State, October 22nd. And so they have played some of the top-tier teams in the conference with Illinois being the head of the West conference right now. And we know what's going on on the other side with Ohio state and Michigan running a two man race currently at second and third in the college playoffs uh, um, um, rankings. So play probably some very tough teams and this Hawkeye defense has held their own. So this surging Wisconsin Badger team led by Zach Mertz and this two headed monster at running back and his offensive line has to run into a team that has done well against some top-tier teams, some top-tier talent so far. So it's going to be tough coming into Kinnick. Keys to the game, defensively, get off the field, you know, stop them on third down, uh, take away their running game, do what they've done all season, being the league leaders at uh, rush defense, uh, continue that trend. And uh, the other, other thing that they have to do is continue the trend offensively of scoring points, protecting Spencer, allowing him the opportunity to visualize what needs to, where his reads are, and the uh, progression that he has going down the final stretch of this season, going into the last leg of this season. This is going to be a tough matchup, no matter how we slice it, two, five, and four teams, both three and three in the conference, both trying to, get themselves into a postseason play. It's going to be a hard fought, hard fought match um, on, on Saturday. And it's going to be it's going to come down to who makes the less mistakes, who makes the fewer mistakes, and who can um, who can create points. And and I would say finally, it would have to come down to who can run the ball better. Um, and I would say a score of 28 to 17 in the Hawks' favor. That's what I think it's going to be. Um, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, I forgot Wisconsin played Ohio State and Illinois this year too. Oof, dude, this is going to be. A, I'm I'm looking forward to this game. 
It's going to be a tough one. It's going to be a tough matchup. So we'll see how it shakes up. Um, 2.30 Central Time kickoff in Kinnick Stadium, Duke Slater Field. It's going to be exciting to see these Hawks take on a mirror image of who they are, um, both physically and uh, how they have uh, carried themselves throughout their, their season. So it's going to be interesting to see how things shake out. Um, with that, I'm Colin Cole. That's David Porter. We appreciate y'all for appreciate y'all for joining us on the show today. It's been awesome. Uh, God bless and go Hawks. Go Hawks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.